Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. DFS, I am Seamajad, joined as always at 11 o'clock on Fridays by Mike McClure. Mike, we just got off the early edge. Uh, we've got this wild card slate. We got basically a two game Saturday slate. We got a three game Sunday slate and, and effectively a showdown slate Monday. I think that's how most people are playing it. Uh, what are you most excited about with this slate? Is it the three game? I think you had referred to it as like the flagship slate yeah. on DraftKings. Yeah, definitely most excited about the three-game slate. Uh, always excited about a showdown slate as well, but uh, definitely the, the three-game slate is going to be uh, interesting. I mean, they're all going to be interesting for, for different reasons. So when you look at the Saturday slate, for example, you get one extreme weather game, one dome game, uh, and then you get two dome games and an extreme weather game on uh, Sunday. So that's going to really sway ownership in a big, big way. Uh, so I think there are some very interesting tournament angles if you're willing to uh, invest in those areas. I love it. And, and by the way, I think we can go right to the Saturday slate. I mean, again, I think that's how people are consuming their contests. And by the way, we have our contest. It's in the uh, description. If you're watching this live, it'll be in the podcast description as well. We just did a contest for the Sunday slate. It was only a 150-person contest that I created there. So get in there now if you can. Um Let's talk about the Saturday slate first, though, Mike. I think what's so interesting, I mean, you talked about Houston and that curated, you know, indoor environment, and you got the Chiefs in freezing temperatures. And yet, the totals on these games, unless they've moved, and they've moved a little bit, the totals on these games are virtually the same. I find that very interesting because, you know, I think most people are going to want to go to the Browns-Texans game for obvious reasons. But are we – are is there an opportunity, perhaps, uh, to go to that Kansas City game and really load up on that one? I, I definitely think there's a possibility for sure. Uh, you've got some underpriced superstar talent in that game. Um, yeah, I, I, it is fascinating that the totals are the same, though. I will say that. Uh, I think that some of it is just that Kansas City game is so difficult to price a total on uh, just because we know how explosive Miami can be in certain conditions. Uh, we know how good Kansas city can be. Kansas city's got a great defense as well. So uh, yeah, the short answer is yes. You can definitely play Kansas city, Miami game. So. Yeah. Um, it's a 44 and a half point total in that Texans game, by the way, and 43 uh, in the chiefs dolphins game. Let's talk about the 
Browns Texans game first, though, because I'm going to be playing the two games late on Saturday, and yep. it's hard for me to get away from Joe Flacco. I, I like Joe Flacco's stacks personally. I, I know he's a gunslinger. I know he might turn the ball over, but I also know the the, the target share is probably going to be relatively condensed between Omari Cooper, maybe a little bit of Elijah Moore, Dave Njoku. I think we have to still wait and see who's healthy on the Houston side. But obviously, C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, certainly in play. If Noah Brown is playing, that's obviously going to be in play. Robert Woods. Um, how? Like, w- What are the pieces in this game you like the most? And I didn't even mention Jerome Ford at 5,500 and Devin Singletary at 5,700. If I'm playing the two-game slate, what pieces am I taking from this particular game? Well, you know, I think one thing instantly right off the bat that I think would be <laughs> – what I'm most interested in, I like I like Joe Flacco. I think he's been fantastic. I think it's been a great story. But when you look at this, we know Cleveland's been the best defense in the NFL. You know Kansas City's a great defense playing with big weather implications at home. So I think the most immediate thing that you could do that would be contrarian would be to consider playing the Houston Texans defense uh, and betting on 38-year-old Joe Flacco to be 38-year-old Joe Flacco. I think that's mm-hmm. something that – is going to be fascinating for me because I'm projecting that, you know, it's, it's basically Dolphins and uh, Texans in terms of the two lower owned defenses on there. Uh, but as far as like my overall exposure to this game, uh, I would say, believe it or not, Devin Singletary is still going to be one of the first pieces in. I, I think yeah. he's still going to touch the football enough. The price point at 5,700, you have to play. So that's what's different about these two game slates versus a showdown slate, which we'll talk about on that Monday slate. Monday slate, you you may not want to play a guy like if this were a one game, you may not want to play Devin Singletary. But because you're required to play a minimum of two running backs, things change drastically there. So Singletary uh, is actually the first guy in my lineup from this game. Uh, After that, it would be Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper can all make the player pool. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a popular build will probably be Dalton Schultz and David Njoku double tight end lineups. Uh, so I think that immediately makes an elite play like uh, Travis Kelsey in terms of ceiling uh, fascinating on this slate. Very interesting. And by the way, Singletary statistically didn't have a great day last week against the Colts, which really surprised me. I, I had his, uh, I had a prop on his rushing and receiving total, but he got a ton of work. So it's certainly a great situation for Singletary to get all kinds of volume. He didn't get as much volume in the passing game as I expected against the Colts, but the four or five games prior to that, he was getting three, four receptions, not just targets uh, in those games. So uh, a really good spot at 5,700. All right. So let me like we'll bounce back and forth between these two Saturday games, because let's just say you're grabbing Singletary. Let's say you're grabbing the Texans defense. I mean, you're not doing that in every lineup, but right. where is your where is most of your exposure? Is it in this Dolphins Chiefs game or is it in the Browns Texans game? Uh, most of it's looking like it's still going to be in the Browns Texans game. Um, so like Collins, Schultz, Singletary looking to be in pretty much every build for me, uh, when I run initially, uh, the thing that I would comment on with the Texans defense on a two game slate, you can absolutely play a defense against your quarterback. Um, in fact, I think it, there's a solid shot that it could be optimal in this situation, playing Joe Flacco against the Texans defense. Uh, And the scenario where that happens, we've seen Flacco turn the ball over a lot. So the scenario where this works is Flacco throws the pick six, there's a fumble, whatever it is. 
Uh, and then they're instantly in a trailing game script and continuing to throw the football all day. Meanwhile, Kansas City rolls with the rushing game. Tua struggles. All of a sudden, you've got Joe Flacco as the optimal quarterback and the Texans' defense as the optimal defense. So do not rule that out. Yeah, and that's part of the reason you you and I were on HQ last night. It's part of the reason I liked the Browns' team total over 23.5 because it yep. insulates you from you know, that bad Flacco throw. Bad or like maybe there's multiple bad Flacco throws. It creates a short field for Houston. And now all of a sudden you got a negative game script for Joe Flacco for, you know, the balance of the game and he can put up some points there. So absolutely love that. All right. Moving to the Dolphins plus three and a half at the Chiefs. You know, as I want to be as contrarian as the next guy, but it's hard for me to consider Tua but at 7,000. But, you know, again, he does have Tyreek Hill available to him. He does have, it looks like, I don't know about most, it looks like A-Chan, Jeff Wilson available to him. And then, you know, the said Wilson, like, we'll, we'll see how it goes there. I don't think Jalen Waddle's playing. Uh, Smythe is, is obviously uh, a potential target as well. Any instance where you would get to Tua here? No shot. Um, yeah, no chance on Tua. There's a couple reasons. The weather, obviously, one. Kansas City is a very good defense. You know, we they've been frustrating offensively this season. They're still one of the best defenses in the NFL, which makes them insanely dangerous when you give them home field like this. Mm-hmm. But the Tua situation, I, can Miami win this game? Absolutely. Is Miami winning this game in these conditions because Tua throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns? I don't think so. I think it's because of their defense steps up. They make a special teams play. Patrick Mahomes, you know, has a tipped interception, things like that. That's the scenario where the Dolphins win. I do not see the scenario where it's just Tua out there slinging the ball everywhere uh, and they're running it up, scoring 30 plus points. So I would not play Tua uh, under any circumstance here. So if you're not building, let's assume you're not building a Flacco stack or or, or a Stroud stack. I mean, are you considering a Mahomes stack? I mean, there are, obviously, you can stack Mahomes with Pacheco, who gets targets. You can stack him yep. with, um, in the same lineup, you can stack him with Travis Kelsey. You can pick one of those kind of third-tier receivers to stack him with. Are Mahomes stack, stacks in play for you? Definitely. Uh, I will say I do have a lot of Flacco, despite liking the Texans' defense. So as far when I run my builds right now, it, I'm getting 50% Flacco, 40% Mahomes, and 10% C.J. Stroud. Um, so I'm taking Stroud's pass catchers. I think that they've got insanely high floors. I think we know where the targets are going. So we know that Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz are going to get targets. I want to capture some of the upside with Flacco and that team total, um, who I think he can spread his weapons out just a little bit more. Um, I know it sounds crazy because he had such great chemistry with Amari Cooper and Njoku, but that's where I see it. So I have a lot of Flacco and a lot of Mahomes, um, a little bit of Stroud. A lot of Flacco, a lot of Mahomes, a little bit of Stroud. All right. So in the Mahomes stacks, uh, are you like, listen, it's a two-game slate. So we already know we've been through these two-game slates before, three-game slates. We already know we can just like really get crazy with these stacks. And and, and I understand in this two-game slate, you probably want to get pieces of both games. But what does a typical Mahomes stack look like on this two-game slate? Is it with Pacheco? Is it with Kelsey and another pass catcher? Or are you kind of diversifying a little bit more because you like so much in that Cleveland Browns game? Yeah, I like so much in the Cleveland Browns game. Uh, so when I go to like my top Mahomes lineup, it's literally just Mahomes, Pacheco, and the Kansas City defense. Hmm. Um, so, and, and, you know, the Kansas City defense and Mahomes are actually pretty correlated. Uh 
setting up some shorter fields, still potentially looking at, uh, you know, scoring those touchdowns um, on a two game slate. So I like the scenario where Kansas city just has a great day limits, Miami, some of those shorter fields turn into touchdowns for, uh, for Mahomes. So that's where my, my first build is. I do have another one here where I have Mahomes, Pacheco, Rice, Kelsey, and the Chiefs D. So that's a full-on mm. onslaught. Uh, I'll read that lineup to you. I know we don't like to get into sharing full lineups, but I think it's an interesting build here. It's Mahomes, Singletary, Pacheco, Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper, Rasheed Rice, Dalton Schultz, Travis Kelsey, and the Chiefs defense. So you're fading Nico Collins, looking to grab Schultz and Singletary, and then you're having the two receivers, Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper, uh, in that Texans game. Very interesting. On the Dolphins side, I, I think you can, obviously you can make the argument for HN. I think you could even make the argument for Jeff Wilson at 4,200 if Mostert mm-hmm. isn't playing. I don't know that we have confirmation on that yet. Tyreek Hill is 8,700. I don't know that Waddle's going to play. He's 6,500. Is this a situation where you might, because I, I heard you when you said two, a no shot. Is this a situation where you might be fading all of the Dolphins? It is so far, Sia. I think the only scenario which is somewhat similar to that Browns uh, and Texans scenario is I think you can make a case for the defense. It's a defense playing uh, on the road, but it is in extreme weather conditions. And the benefit to this, one thing we've seen out of the Kansas City Chiefs, they have the unique ability to drive the football down the field and just chew the clock. And I know that that's going to be in their interest here. So you get these scenarios where Kansas City could have a six to seven minute drive that either ends in a field goal, a missed field goal in these conditions, a red zone turnover, whatever it may be. All of a sudden, Kansas City might win this game 17-10 or 20-17 to with a turnover or two. If you do that, the Dolphins could very well be the optimal defense if we get the shootout in that Browns-Texans game that doesn't have uh, you know, turnovers. The, the Dolphins are very live to be relevant defensively still. So that is where I will be playing them. Um, but that's it. Any any of those sort of secondary pass catchers on the Kansas City side that you'd even consider? And I'm going to like Noah Gray, Justin Watson, maybe even like a Richie James, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. I mean, we're getting kind of very speculative when we get to those guys. Is it worth to... I don't know that it's because because there's value, I think, across both of these games. Is it worth throwing one of those guys into a a Mahomes stack? Or are you not getting there? I don't mind it. Uh, I think the issue is, is with Kansas City, it's just so difficult to uh, to tell who it's going to be. Um, yeah. So because of that, like if you're playing 150 lineups or like 20 plus and really trying to attack the tournaments, then yeah, absolutely. I, I would not only say it's okay, I would recommend it. And I would recommend having a build um, you know, this slate projects as one where you could definitely leave some salary on the table. Like the lineups fit nicely where most of them are using almost all the salary. I think that there are absolutely scenarios where you can leave a thousand dollars of salary. And one of those guys outscores Elijah Moore. Like, I, I think it's very, very possible. My problem with it is, is I think Kansas city is going to chew clock. It's going to be a heavy dose of Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and and I, I think that you're really betting on one of those deep shots. So as much as I dislike the guy and how frustrating he's been, it would probably be MVS who would potentially get that deep target. Otherwise, with Kansas City, it's mostly stuff around the line of scrimmage. So, uh, And you're not going to get there through volume with those kind of players. So it'd have to be a, a real vertical threat, which I think MVS is probably the only one. 
And before we move on to Sunday, because uh, you mentioned Pacheco again, your favorite two running backs on the Saturday slate. Is it Pacheco and Singletary? Definitely. Uh, Pacheco, number one by a considerable margin. Um, Singletary, while I say first in the lineup because you have to have two of them, I, I would consider pivoting off of him before Pacheco. I think there's no scenario in which Pacheco would not be in my lineup. I would eat the chalk on that. I'm showing about 60% owned. I think if you're playing a cash game, it'll be 95% owned. I think that mm -hmm. in tournaments, it'll probably be closer to 80. All right. Let's move on to Sunday because we have three games, uh, two of them very high octane. So I'm very curious, and we're going to get to your, your top three at each position. We're probably not going to do cheat sheets because it's just kind of weird with the two different slates, but yeah, top three at each position for Mike will be very revealing when it comes to this Sunday slate because again, a lot to talk about there. Uh, let's let's cover that, but before we do that, let's hear a message from our partners. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Reno says this Friday hour has been a great baseline for my DFS and prop bets all year. Great content, guys. I really appreciate that. Yeah, there's a lot of spillover to the, the prop market for sure when you're talking DFS. And uh, everybody knows that uh, at Sportsline, we do a lot of prop work uh, as well. So uh, that these things do uh, correlate to a very large degree. And by the way, uh, if you agree with Reno, hit the like button, uh, please, or, or go ahead and uh, review the podcast on Apple Pods. All right, let's start with the Steelers plus 10 at the Bills, 35 and a half point total. Obviously, this is the least sexy of the three games. The other two on the Sunday slate have totals of 50 or higher. You know, that uh, maybe that means we'll spend a little bit less time on this game. I, I do think Josh Allen is still viable to, to potentially play. Maybe it'll end up being contrarian, obviously, but uh, in DFS, because I do think he's going to run the ball a lot. And you know, I don't know, we could still have two touchdown passes. You got you got James Cook here at 6,600, uh, Najee and uh, Jalen Warren, 5,400 and 5,100, respectively. Is this one of those games, Mike, where we don't need to spend a ton of time on it because it's just such a different game environment than the other two? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, you want to play Josh Allen, go for it. I think that it's not a comfortable fade, frankly, because as you mentioned, they're going to keep the football in his hands. Like, especially if, if the game's remotely close, he's going to run the football a ton. You mentioned two passing touchdowns. I think he's live for two rushing touchdowns as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly, like, with Cook, you know, maybe Leonard Fournette gets the uh, the goal line work. But I don't think Cook's going to get that goal line work. I think it's we're, we're not going to have another change of hands with the football. It's Josh Allen's game uh, if things are tight at all in any way. So I, I like the Bills' defense. I will say the Steelers' defense is absolutely in play, though. 
Yeah, that certainly makes sense. And for the record, the implied total for the Buffalo Bills, it's not like anything spectacular, but just to give you some perspective, it's 22.75, which is higher for the record than the Green Bay Packers, who, who might, that, that might be a, a stack people are interested in. So just to give you some perspective there, uh, the Bills 22.75, not a terrible implied total for them. Uh, okay, so we might circle back to this game. But I'd really like to get to the Packers-Cowboys because I think that game and the Rams-Lions is where a lot of uh, the player pool is going to be for Mike and for myself. So let's start with the Packers plus 7.5 at the Cowboys, 50.5 point total. I mean, oh, by the way, this is probably plus 7 now. I think this has moved down to Packers plus 7. But either way, we've got Jordan Love at 6,300, Dak Prescott at 7,600, CeeDee Lamb, 9,000. And we have those sort of secondary options for the Cowboys. I think what's confusing a little bit about Jordan Love is Okay, you know, if Christian Watson is back, but even if he's not back, I, I do think he's trending towards playing. But th- there are so many receivers for I mean, uh, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, if he's healthy, he's got a bevy of Romeo Dobbs, if he's healthy, he's got a bevy of uh, pass catchers. So I, I, it makes me a little less interested in stacking Jordan Love. And I, and I certainly like the Dak stacks with C.D. Lamb. Uh, what do you like in this game? I didn't even mention Aaron Jones yet, who should have a big game. Yeah, Aaron Jones has looked phenomenal since returning. Uh, yeah. Like really, really, really good. The same athlete that we were used to seeing, you know. Uh, I think that he is absolutely in play. Uh, the volume, you've got to love it. When you look at the volume, he's had 20-plus carries in each of the last three games and still getting work in the passing game. He has not landed in the end zone yet uh, in those particular games and still averaging 19 fantasy points. Uh, so he's got – Probably the biggest ceiling uh, out of anyone not named CeeDee Lamb on this slate, in my opinion. So I I think that, uh, you know, you could talk that about Cooper Cup, Kyron Williams, Pukunakua. I think those three eat eat into each other enough. Um, I I don't think anyone eats into Aaron Jones other than potentially an injury, right? I think that he's cleared. I think he's got a, I think he's clearly 30 point upside. So I, I love Aaron Jones here. I do like uh, Jordan Love. So mm-hmm. I've talked about this a little bit with Flacco and the Browns more in, in the betting market. There are certain teams that we're just so used to like seeing in their environments and wanting them in their environments. The Browns are a team that is it's a gritty, hard-nosed defensive team, physical team. You want to back that team typically outdoors in ugly, sloppy football games. We are used to thinking that about the Green Bay Packers because of what we've seen in history from them. I don't think that's true with this version. With Jordan Love at quarterback, we've seen him want to throw the deep ball, right? What's the best time to throw a deep ball? In a dome, in a controlled environment where there is no Mm -hmm. elements impacting anything. Uh, I think this Green Bay Packers team is going to thrive in the dome. So I went back and looked at how they played in controlled environments. They only got to do it four times this year. He is averaging over 20 fantasy points a game in all of those dome games. The offense scores about 26 points a game in those dome games. Uh, They crush when they play in that controlled environment. So I do like Jordan Love here. Um, I will speculate that he will run the football a little bit himself uh, once things are on the line in the playoffs. And what's interesting about those controlled environments is Jordan Love has gotten better and better this entire season. So a lot of those controlled environment games were like in the middle of the season. Maybe I think at least one of them uh, was was in the beginning of the season. So he has made a progression that I didn't see. Like, listen, I was borderline like making fun of this guy uh, the last year and the year before that when he got drafted and and early in the season. In the sense, I wasn't making fun of him, but in the sense yeah. of him being like a legitimate starting quarterback, I wasn't there with Jordan Love, and, and clearly. 
Uh, I got to take the L on that one because he, I think he's given us enough of a sample size to, for me to say, all right, this guy, like Packers be, can be somewhat confident at the quarterback position in their future. If you're doing a Jordan Love stack, I'm very intrigued by what you're going to do here because I, my guess is if you're doing a Jordan Love stack, you're stacking him with Aaron Jones potentially. Yep. And then you're, cha- you're taking potentially like a cheap wide receiver like a Dontavian Wicks at 4,800 or a somewhat reasonably priced uh, Jaden Reed at 5,700. So what would that Jordan Love stack look like? I am glad you asked. I think it's an interesting build. So I'm not going to go heavy Packers despite having Jordan Love. I think that some of that stuff's going to get spread out um, depending on, you know, what the game script looks like. So for me, it is Jordan Love, Aaron Jones. When you get these two, you're likely getting exposure outside of one of the receivers rushing a touchdown, which is very possible. Um you're getting exposure to essentially every Green Bay score. And the reason I like that is they play well in these domes. They're likely going to be trailing, playing with some sense of urgency. Uh, I think that that is the scenario that you want to attack. So I've got one here with Jordan Love and Aaron Jones. And then I've got one with Jordan Love, Aaron Jones, and then Tucker Craft, the tight end, who I think is actually very viable uh, Mm -hmm. at 3,300. And that is a lineup where it is a double tight end, Tucker Craft, running it back with Jake Ferguson on the other side. Um, when you're able to do that, you're able to play CeeDee Lamb very easily in this game as well. So I, I like the Jordan Love builds, uh, but I don't think you need to force guys like Wicks into the lineup. I think that you're better off just playing Jordan Love, Aaron Jones, and hoping he has a big day that's kind of – Jones gets his one touchdown, 100-plus yards, heavy volume, and then two passing touchdowns to two different receivers from Jordan Love, uh, and I think you're looking really good. By the way, so we're going to go to Rams plus three and a half at the Lions, uh, 51 and a half point total there in a second. But if I wanted to stack that Rams-Lions game in a big way, and I just wanted to be all over that particular game, can I take like two play? Can, can I take Aaron Jones, run it back with CeeDee Lamb, and then just go to the Rams game? Is that is that viable for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so let's go to that Rams plus three and a half at the Lions. Again, 51 and a half point total. Uh, I happen to know you like this game. Uh First of all, you like the Rams in this game. We were on the early edge. You gave out the Rams money line. Uh, so you were four going. And by the way, this is down to three, I think. I have it at plus three and a half, but it's down to three, I believe. Uh, I like the Rams plus three. You're willing to take them on the money line at like a plus 145, almost a plus 150 price. Talk to me about the DFS angle, though. Stafford, Goff, do you like either side of this? Uh, yeah, I like weapons on the Lions side because, again, I have this number not quite flipped, but I make the Rams a better team. I think there's definitely a scenario where the Rams, you know, I like them to win the game. So I think that I'm looking for a scenario where the Lions might actually be playing catch up. And when they're playing catch up, they pepper Amonra St. Brown with targets. Uh, and that's what I think we see. He gets targets either way, he gets the volume. So he's clearly my favorite play uh, here would be Amonra St. Brown. I actually think that Amonra St. Brown is insanely close to CeeDee Lamb uh, in these particular games. I know CeeDee Lamb is a better player. He's going to get the football in his hands. I think there's scenarios, though, where Dallas is able to get others involved. I think Tony Pollard has an okay day against this Green Bay defense. Um, so I, I actually prefer Amonra straight up over CD when you factor the, the salary in. Um, so that's my favorite way to play this game. As far as the the Rams side, though, I prefer Stafford at quarterback, and I prefer to, to get all the weapons in there. So my favorite two are going to be Demarcus Robinson and Cooper Cup. 
A lot of people like Pukunakua. Pukunakua is fantastic. Um, I think that that opens things up for Cooper Cup a little bit and Demarcus Robinson. Matthew Stafford still has a great connection with Cooper Cup. I think that he features him here. Demarcus Robinson, though, at 3,600, simply too cheap. Uh, he is the forgotten man in this offense, can definitely be the deep ball target. Detroit, 24th in defensive EPA, surrenders a ton of explosive plays. Kyron Williams, very good on the ground. That is going to open up a few deep shots here. That's why I love Demarcus Robinson. Uh, I'm playing him in almost every lineup at 3,600. So talk to me about what a Stafford – like your 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 primary Stafford stack uh, would would it not include Kyron Williams? Would it really just be the the, the passing and, and you're you're going Stafford to Cooper Cup to Marcus Robinson? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the build for now. Um, I'll run you through one of my favorite. I'll just give you another full lineup right here. Um, my favorite Stafford build that I have in right now is Stafford, Tony Pollard, Aaron Jones, Cooper Cup. Demarcus Robinson, Amonra St. Brown, Jake Ferguson, and Josh Reynolds, and, mm. and then the Bills defense. I love that. Uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, super sneaky considering, you know, we, I don't think Khalif Raymond is healthy. Again, that's something I, we, we need to, when we get uh, closer to game time, we need to investigate that. Jameson Williams probably coming back. Uh, but uh, Josh Reynolds at 3,800 uh, is a very interesting sort of uh, value option. Let me ask you this, uh, as far as Detroit goes, if we're not going to see uh, uh, Sam Laporta, does Mitchell or Brock Wright get, get into the conversation 2,800, 3,000? I think they can, yes. Um, you know, Brock Wright is someone that in the past has been somewhat viable. I think the team's a little, a little different now. It's probably more Mitchell. Um, to be honest with you, what I think could happen if that happens I think we could see more Jameer Gibbs uh, just because he's an elite athlete and can catch the football. I think they could use him in the passing game a little bit more mm -hmm. um, and have some additional attention with, with the tight ends blocking more than running routes. Uh, but if Laporta doesn't play and we like the Rams as much as we do, I personally would build for the scripts where Detroit is trailing, uh, which is why I like Reynolds so much. I think they're going to target him. Um, you mentioned Raymond potentially not being out there. He's banged up for sure. Jameson Williams is someone we know his elite talent. I'm not confident he's going to be able to stay healthy. He's dealing with a number of injuries. He typically, we've seen it frequently from him, has a huge player, runs a deep route, pulls up with some sort of injury. I do not see him having the durability to play every snap. So I, I like Reynolds for that reason. Okay. So let's talk about, before we move to, to Monday, uh, the showdown slate, let's talk about the quarterbacks and maybe your, your preferred quarterback to stack, like from a ranking standpoint in these in, in the second and third game. And by that, I mean, Packers, Cowboys, Rams, Lions. It sounds to me like your favorite quarterback to stack in this Sunday slate. I, am I right that it's Matthew Stafford? Yes. Yeah. Stafford one, Jordan love two, then Dak Prescott three and Jared Goff, a very distant four. Oh, okay. Interesting. I love that. Um, Stafford person again, Demarcus Robinson, the value piece there. Anything else we missed? By the way, from an ownership standpoint, I got to think Cup at what? What is he? He's seventy five hundred. Puka Nakua seventy two hundred. I got to think Nakua is going to be the the way more popular option. I, I don't know what the split is, or if you're looking at ownership, but Cup's going to be far less owned than Puka Nakua. Yes. 
Yeah, I'm showing uh, Nakua around 35, 36% and about 10% less on uh, Cooper Cup around 25%. Uh, and keep in mind, it is a three game slate. So those sound like massive chalk numbers on a full game slate. Those are uh, 25% on Cooper Cup is the equivalent of playing him around 7%, I would say, on a, a normal slate. Um, so, yeah, it's very clearly Nakua. And then for the quarterbacks, by the way, I have golf as my last quarterback. It makes sense because I'm betting the Rams. I'm on the Rams. think they should be favored. Mm -hmm. uh, Jared Goff is going to be the most popular quarterback used in DFS. Wow. Okay. And the piece, the piece is like, you're willing to, to play a Monroe St. Brown, maybe some Jameer Gibbs, maybe some Josh Reynolds. You just prefer not to stack those guys with golf. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, you know, and part of the reason for this, if you watch the lions too, you know, they want to run the football when they get to the red zone, we're going to see some Jameer Gibbs. We're going to see Montgomery. Um, you could argue the same thing with Stafford and Kyron Williams, but I, I think that the Rams with the explosive plays and the things that they have, their touchdown is not necessarily likely to come from the four yard line. The lions far more likely to come from the four yard line. So, uh, He's the cheapest quarterback. He's the most popular. You get almost all the exposure via Amanda St. Brown. So that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play St. Brown in every lineup. I'm not going to play golf at all. All right. I think we can move on to the Monday slate. By the way, uh, Ellie asks, uh, which game would you stack the most if you played the Saturday through Monday slate? Would that be the Rams for you, Mike? For me, it'll be the Rams-Lions game the most. Um, mm. The Dallas-Green Bay game... The reason there's a couple reasons. Number one, Dallas defense has been pretty good. Green Bay, they can run the football a lot with Aaron Jones. So we know that we're going to have Aaron Jones in lineups because of the volume. Uh, but there is certainly a scenario where Jordan Love making his first playoff start could absolutely have a bad game. Short fields for Dallas, um, some Tony Pollard action. It's very possible that we get a very middling C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott game because of some of those scenarios. Meanwhile, I think Detroit and L.A., uh, I'm confident L.A. is going to score, and I'm confident that Detroit's going to throw the football to Amon St. Brown. Speaking of, uh, LaMelo Call asks, if he's running a Jordan Love stack uh, and he wants to get, like, it sounds like he's trying to get one piece of this Rams-Lions game, among others, but he's trying to decide between Cup and um, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, would it be Amon Ross St. Brown if he, if, he, if he could only choose one? If you can only choose one, it would be Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you, I think you have to play the guy, especially with the Laporta situation. If Laporta does go, there's a decent likelihood he doesn't finish the game. Amon Ross St. Brown is just – he's running a route on every snap, and he's the clear preferred target uh, and an absolute warrior. You've seen him get hit many times in games, take one playoff right back out there. Um, yeah, he's the guy you want. All right. Let's move on to uh, the Eagles and Buccaneers. But before we do that, let's hear a message from our partners. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. 
The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. So we're probably not going to spend as much time on this Monday slate since it's only one game. And then after we cover that, we'll get to Mike's top three at each position, which is really covering mostly the Sunday slate, just so everybody knows that three-game slate, which, again, is the flagship slate. We got the two-game slate on Saturday, three-game slate on Sunday, and, of course, showdown on Monday. Uh, Mike, I got to say this right off the bat. I, I like the Buccaneers here, plus three. I don't know that that has any DFS implications, but... I just think the Eagles, and this goes to DFS a little bit, I think they're so banged up. I'm still, I don't think we're going to know until really maybe on Monday how healthy A.J. Brown is, how healthy Devontae Smith is, and how healthy Jalen Hurts is in terms of his ability to to grip the football properly with that uh, dislocation he had the other day. Uh, with all that said, I mean, certainly a Jalen Hurts stack, you know, I, I suppose it makes sense. How are you playing this game from a showdown standpoint? Yeah, it's certainly a fascinating thing when you go to a showdown slate with these teams. Uh, it would be very interesting to have it uh, not be a showdown slate with this game on a uh, on there. Um, so the thing that you mentioned with Jalen Hurts, not only gripping the football there, can he grip the football with that issue in the rain? Uh, I think it's going to be raining for this game. I think it's going to be wet field. I think it's going to be potentially wet during the actual game itself. So certainly something to, uh, to watch that. Um, as far as this game... We definitely need a little more info because it is a showdown slate and we're, we're talking one game. Uh, that really, really changes things pretty drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as guys that I, I think that should be there, I think both defenses are in play. I know the Eagles defense has been pretty poor. Um, I think the Bucks are going to still play a controlled game and I think that it's going to be competitive there. Hurts, you're playing him in DFS in showdown if he's in. Um I wish I had more content for you on this, but until we know for sure, like I think AJ Brown's going to play. I think he's fine. He would be my preferred target because I think Hertz is going to have to get rid of the football quickly around the line of scrimmage. Not so much deep shots. Um, Other than that, it's jam Rashad white in there. The volume's going to be there. Uh, Price points extreme, but I I think you have to play him. I know it's chalky, but, but doesn't it make sense to put, Jalen Hurts in the captain spot because he's probably just going to, especially if he's having issues throwing and if A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are dinged up, I mean, he's just going to have to control almost like what we talked about with Josh Allen where he could have a couple of rushing touchdowns easily and still have a throwing touchdown. 100%. Yeah, like I said, no matter what the condition he is in, if he is out there, he's in the lineup for sure and you could definitely make the case for uh, for him being in, in the captain spot, no doubt. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, again, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on this game because, again, we don't have a ton of information. Uh, if A.J. Brown and like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, I expect them to suit up. I just question how healthy they're going to be. That What looked like an MCL injury for A.J. Brown, it looked significant enough for him to be very much impacted on Monday. And for the record, Devontae Smith, as far as I know, it's a high ankle sprain. So, yeah. You know, we'll see uh, how that goes. So uh, on the other side, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, obviously all of them in play along with Rashad White. Uh, and then if you have to get cheap, I do think Trey Palmer, Kate Otten are, are decent. Uh, just kind of if, if you have to throw in a, a, a cheap guy. Do you, do you have an opinion on either of those two guys, Mike? 
Yeah, I think that uh, both are certainly viable. I'm trying to think if I, I'm not getting a ton when I run here, but the reason I'm not getting a ton when I run them is because the defenses are projecting so well. Um, They're not super expensive on this slate, which is the issue. Um, Yeah, I think you're going to see a ton of defense ownership. I recommend playing them. So I'll give you a sample lineup back to what you said with Hertz being the captain. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could see a Hertz captain, Swift, assuming he's in, probably going to be, Rashad White, Chris Godwin, and then both defenses. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that you get Hertz and all of his equity. You get Rashad White and Godwin on the other side. You're essentially fading big plays to Mike Evans in the elements. Uh, And then defenses, which you're, you're betting on this game going under the total of 44. Love that. All right. Let's get to Mike's top three at each position. Again, this is going to be uh, with respect to the Sunday slate. Uh, Mike, we we pretty much talked about it. I asked you to rank the quarterbacks on the Sunday slate, but go ahead and uh, recap it again. Who are your top three at the quarterback position? Number one is going to be Matthew Stafford uh, with the Rams as someone listed in the chat. Can't tell if Mike likes the uh, the Rams this week or not. Um <laughs> They're okay. I'll have a little exposure to the Rams. Uh, Number two, Jordan Love. I I think he's got some upside in domes and controlled environments. Again, remember, not saying that the Packers are going to win this game. We're playing DFS here, which can be confusing sometimes to outcomes of games. Uh, There's definitely a scenario where the Packers lose this game and don't even cover the spread. And Jordan Love still outscores Dak Prescott. I think that that's very, very possible because of where the scoring will come from. And then my third is Dak Prescott. I'm basically playing those three. Will not be playing any Jared Goff, who will be the most popular. When we go to uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, don't forget uh, if if you're if you're at this part of the show. And you're like, well, what about the Saturday slate? Go back, because because Mike and I, we talked about, Mike in particular, uh, what he likes uh, in terms of the quarterback position on the Saturday slate. But go ahead with running back. Uh, running back, Aaron Jones is the top guy for me. Uh, I love the volume. 60, what, three carries the last three games. Uh, looks great. Again, controlled environment. Helps some of the ball security issues he's had in his career. Uh, number two, Kyron Williams. Just the upside is phenomenal here uh, for the Rams. I, I think that they're going to have their way. And then number three, Tony Pollard. I think there's a number of scenarios where uh, if Love doesn't play well or there are short fields, Tony Pollard does still have some goal line work here. So uh, when we go to tight ends, very straightforward here for me, Jake Ferguson, Tucker Craft, Tyler Higby. Higby got the questionable tag, so obviously monitor that. Uh, Ferguson, the top guy here for me, though. I, I want some exposure to Dallas. I think he's the guy that the price points just it, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, and then Tucker Craft, he, he's been a target that's been reliable for Jordan Love. Uh, receiver, though you skipped, I think you skipped over a receiver. I did. That's embarrassing. Um, Amandra <laughs> St. Brown, the receiver, definitely not the most important position where you have to pick three of them or anything. Like we we don't need to cover <laughs> that. Uh, Amandra St. Brown, number one here for me. I, I think the volume is certainly going to be there. I also think Detroit's playing catch up a bit in this game, so that's where he thrives. And then the other two I've listed are going to be. Cooper Cup and Demarcus Robinson, the two weapons for Matthew Stafford. Demarcus Robinson has been phenomenal, uh, and no attention is going to get paid to him at all when you have to defend Kyron Williams out of the backfield, Cooper Cup, and Puka Nakua. Deep shots multiple times uh, to Demarcus Robinson. So I still like CeeDee Lamb for those wondering, well, how is CeeDee Lamb not my top three receivers? These are top three in terms of my overall exposure. I'm electing to play more Amonra than CeeDee. I'm still definitely playing CeeDee Lamb. 
Yeah, that's a good disclaimer there. Uh, I might have to look at some Demarcus Robinson props. I haven't looked at props for the Sunday slate yet, but there's certainly a few guys uh, I have my eye on, perhaps Aaron Jones overs as well. Although the market's uh, wise to Aaron Jones volume, so maybe there's no value in those. Yeah. But uh, it, by the way, if you're Sportsline members, uh, those props get on uh, get put on Sportsline along with uh, sides and totals that I like. Uh, Greg Gousset says, happy Super Wildcard Weekend, everyone. Great show, guys. Really, really appreciate that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that that's going to be our show. Uh, Mike, any final comments before we get out of here? Obviously, the structure for, for those of you listening, the structure of the show is a little different because normally Mike and I come on and we have one slate to talk about. It's right. like 10 or 11 or sometimes 13 games. Well, it's a little different because the slates are fractured. The, the days that these games happen are fractured. And so we had to approach it a little bit differently. So hopefully you were able to kind of catch up with with everything we like on Saturday and on Sunday and on Monday. Uh, with that said, Mike, any closing words uh, before we get out of here? Yeah, just keep in mind, you can be extremely contrarian. And if you're using an optimizer to build, be sure to change the settings to allow a defense against your quarterback on these small slates. Uh, it happens quite frequently because there is not the strong negative correlation that you think when there's only two games to pick from. So do that. Don't be afraid to leave some additional salary on the table. It's the best way to get uh, different and unique in the tournaments. And uh, Reno, you say, what is your favorite lineup blend Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Monday, all. So the, the way DraftKings did it, it's a, it's a little weird how they did it. So I, I'm probably going to end up playing the two game Saturday slate, the three game Sunday slate, and then a little bit of showdown on Monday. So I'm just going to basically, in terms of my lineup blend, and I think this is what you're asking, I, I'm going to be just doing whatever's happening that day, that that's what my um, DraftKings uh, sort of lineups are going to be. So um, Commander's picked a GM, Grey Goose Hayes says. Uh, why does DK fracture the slates like this? I'm not 100% sure. I thought they'd have one, like featured one, with with all three uh, all three days. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, there, there's one reason. Uh, it is oh. to make money. <laughs> it, it's to make money because there's a significant portion uh, bigger players that are max entering or entering big volume, and you're giving them the opportunity to do that three times instead of one. Uh, mm. So that is typically why. Um, it's the same reason the NFL has Thursday Night Football, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football. Standalone games get more attention uh, and, and make more money. Yeah. Uh, why only take one rake when you can take three rakes? So uh, very smart observation there, uh, Mike McClure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get out of here. Thank you for being in the show. Thanks for hitting the like button. Thanks for reviewing the podcast. All those things that you do, uh, we really appreciate We really appreciate it. We got more to talk about on Tuesday. We'll do a little bit of a recap, and then we'll look forward or look ahead to the next week of NFL games as we get smaller and smaller in terms of the number of games uh, that we need to assess. Uh, this has been Fantasy Football Today, DFS, and we'll see you soon.